This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. So far, we haven't seen much in the way of cyber warfare and the war being waged by Vladimir Putin's Russian government against Ukraine. So why not? Cato Senior Fellow Brandon Valeriano explains. Before we get into the uh, subject matter, um, what is this war about, if you can characterize it? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a tough one. I think a lot of people are hanging their hat on the idea that this war is really about the status of NATO and NATO enlargement. But really, the war is about the status of Ukraine and the ability of Ukraine to be a nation state. So it's an existential crisis for the Ukrainian people. And that would lead to the assumption that all options are on the table. So that's really the concern a lot of us in international security have about this conflict. Okay, so does that explain why, at least so far, we have not seen, uh, broadly speaking, cyber war being undertaken by the Russian government? Well, I, I think there's been a fundamental failure of imagination in the international security community to understand the nature of technology and warfare, and that a lot of these assumptions about how war might be fought uh, are often colored by fictions and these strange ideas about the capabilities of cyber weapons when cyber is not really a capability that's useful on the battlefield. It's not really a capability that's useful for coercion. Cyber capabilities, digital manipulation is good for information warfare, but it's not good for actual warfare. And I think a lot of people are fairly confused that this is how things have shaken out. Uh, and we'll see how things develop because we're only in the beginning stages of this war, uh, horrifically and possibly. But as of right now, we have not seen cyber operations leveraged to great effect in this conflict. Okay, so when, there, when there's a lack of imagination, what would a properly calibrated imagination lead uh, observers to uh, conclude about what's going on? Well, I, I mean, first off, we do have to admit that the Russians have fought, fought this war horrifically, that they have failed on multiple fronts, and the failure of the Russians to use cyber warfare or electronic warfare in this conflict might just be a general failure of leadership. But we have known in the international security community, uh, there is a whole plethora of researchers working on this topic that has suggested that uh, cyber security threats have been overinflated and improperly placed in the domain of warfare, when really they're about manipulation. They're about uh, intelligence and espionage. They're about repressing your population, as we've seen with the, the Pegasus software and attacks on civil society. So the idea that cyber might be useful in the context of war continues to not be borne out in Ukraine, but also in Ukraine back in 2014 and the Libyan conflict and the Syrian conflict and the Iraq conflict and Afghanistan conflict. I can go on and on, but we have not seen cyber operations leverage for great effect on the battlefield. And I suppose I can understand why cyber warfare seems to be something that you use in lieu of heavy armaments. That's one idea that it's a complement or a substitute and that, uh, you know, some of the work I've been doing has demonstrated that's a method of conflict management, not necessarily a method of coercion. And I think a lot of people have gotten this era of warfare wrong. And we're seeing the use and utility of conventional tactics still 
becoming dominant on the battlefield. And it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. But the Ukrainian people have been absolute heroes and have done remarkably well um, to the point where I think people are just confused at everything that's going on in the war at this point. Is the misunderstanding about the uses of cyber warfare that they can be used, that cyber warfare uh, hacking can be used in the same way that conventional bombs could be used, that is to say, to to nullify certain resources or uh, infrastructure in a country when, uh, in fact, maybe it's not that useful? Well, I think that is one hope. But the reality is that launching an, an artillery shell at a communication substation or center is a lot cheaper than hacking something from Moscow, and it's a lot easier. So I think we forget that. But on the other hand, I think the reality is also that Defender was prepared for this, that the Defender is not going to depend on digital communications when digital communications are vulnerable to attack. So we've actually seen the Ukrainian people depend on um, old-fashioned walkie-talkies, even uh, old-fashioned World War One-like wires on the front in Donibus. So... I think a lot of people just haven't really been paying attention and they have let their imagination run wild. And imagination is really not the place where uh, where we should let um, the idea of strategy take hold in the context of war. On the Twitters, which is not real life, as you know, um, there was a call that went out to Elon Musk saying, hey, we need Starlink, which is a uh, communications technology that doesn't re- doesn't require a whole lot of infrastructure that is built up in a country. It is satellite-based internet uh, service. Does that change anything? Well, not really, because Ukrainians have remained online during this war, regardless of whatever the Russians have done. But yes, it's useful and interesting that these things are happening. And it's just as important to consider that we need total coverage um, for the Ukrainian people, as we do for poor Americans in the United States, where these ideas about inequality and access to broadband are critical functions of daily life in the middle of combat, in the middle of a pandemic, and in the middle of education. So it's become a necessary function. And when people feel like they're going to lose this connectivity, that's when the danger really occurs. That's sort of, we've become vulnerable because we are so dependent. But luckily, because we are dependent, we have done a lot to protect this infrastructure needed to make digital communication work. And it's withheld and withstood even the worst that we've considered, which is this war in Ukraine. One thing, uh, Russia has faced a big backlash from so-called big tech. That is, they've a lot of their uh, ability to project information uh, of perhaps dubious quality uh, to the rest of the world has been really under fire. YouTube has shut down a bunch of their uh, channels. Other internet services have have said, no, you're, we're closing down a lot of your ability to, to project information out to the world. Does that figure into this or are you thinking about this in a more hard-nosed way? I would say I think about it in a little bit more hard-nosed way in that none of this is shocking, given that the Swiss have turned on the Russians in their banking sector, that uh, Hungary and Alban has turned on their Russians, and the Turks have turned on the Russians. So everyone has turned on the Russians, and it's not surprising that big tech has finally turned to. They're not exactly the beacons of morality here, but they're following in the crowd. 
Brandon Valeriano is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.